This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, the genial, ever-genial, and uh, quite good-looking Frank Proctor... (laughs) As the sous chef of the garden, that or that was the uh, undergardener, yeah. as I prefer. That remark, uh, I I will say, is dedicated to uh, a lady, a member of the Red Hat mm. Lady Society. Yeah, the wacky Red Hat the ladies. Wacky. Do you know last weekend, <laughs> last week? Yes, we last were weekend. at the Zoomer show, right? So I was having a pleasant chat with one of the Red Hat ladies, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden she says to me, "You know, you got a great face for radio." <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was so shocked. I, oh, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, what? And so, I, I sort of heard her out of the corner of my ear, yeah. and I didn't, I wasn't sure whether she said face for radio or voice no, for radio. She, face so, for so I asked you later, and you go, no, she actually said face <laughs> yeah. for radio. So I, I just was well. pondering what retort I should have given hadn't I been so shocked. Yes. Like, does wearing a red hat make you devoid of all good manners? But I guess well, not. I think it's part of the wackiness. Uh, the, uh, that frumpy lady in the... Uh, oh, stop. Hat, okay. Uh, I actually was had tea with the Red Hat ladies... Oh, did you really? ...in Dryden, Ontario a number of years ago, and it was lovely. And yes, they and are... They, they didn't get out of hand? Nobody said anything mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, there you go. They did get out of hand. Okay, but. yeah. Okay. Hey, yeah, it's a garden show, my friends. It is. And Charlie Dobman, that... Other voice from way over the other side of the studio there really mm-hmm. is the host of the show. Uh, and my job is to give you the phone numbers. Okay, here they are. 416-360-0740 for those in the Toronto area and anywhere else in the province. It's toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. There you go. Okay, a couple of things. A couple of things. Remember, mm. at Centennial Park Conservatory... The, the Chrysanthemum Show starts today and runs right until November 24th. Uh, it's every day from 9 until 5. The greenhouses are open. Mm-hmm. It's completely free. Uh, 151 Elmcrest Road. Really nice displays. A lot of work. A lot of, a lot of love and, and work goes into creating these displays. Tomorrow there will be some special demonstrations on bonsai and ikebana if you're interested in demos and lectures between 2 and 4 o'clock. Now, next weekend... A special weekend presentation of the biggest Remembrance Day poppy ever. Really? We think. Stanley was going to check, Stanley, the creator of this, was going to check with the um, Guinness Book of World Records because he he has actually created a five and a half foot tall by four foot wide poppy all made out of red chrysanthemums. So it's basically oh, a bunch oh. of foam and little yeah. cut-off flowers. All cre- and behind it will be a big maple leaf. Anyway, it's going to be just a real splendiferous show of a monster poppy, of course, with a little drop box nearby to put money in to support the vets. 
Absolutely great. Okay. okay. Now remember as well, yesterday, the 91st Royal Agricultural Winter Fair opened. It's at the Direct Energy Center at Exhibition Place. It runs until next Sunday, November the 10th. If your children in your life aren't going as part of a school trip, plan to take them. It is a ton of fun. There's lots for everybody, but particularly the children. There's a lot, lot to learn, and I'm hoping that later... In the next half hour, we will be joined by the uh, chief executive, um, yeah, chief, chief executive officer of the Royal, <coughs> excuse me, Agricultural Winter Fair, Sandra Banks. Should be calling in to give us ninety-one reasons to visit the ninety-first fair. Hey, excellent! Yeah, right. I look forward to that myself. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and is that little uh, announcement so far? I think that'll be it for the announcements. Did okay. you give the numbers? Uh, y- yes, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. And I, I didn't wasn't give... listening. Oh, well, <laughs> Sorry yeah, I know you're <laughs> waiting for your cue so you could talk. I do uh, try oh. to get a word in edgewise on occasion. <laughs> yeah, I know. When you let me. Well, it's your show. Hmm. Uh, Excellent. And... Could you say that again for the microphone? I said it's your show, <laughs> Charlie Dobbin. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. A little mantra we forgot. Oh. And all this banter, you see. Uh, Call early, call often, one question per call. And if you're a first-time caller, let James, the first person you'll be talking to, let let him know, mm-hmm. and you'll get the little bell uh, to welcome you to the show, which I will run the now. The bell. Did I hear a bell? No, I saw you your hand shaking. Because I forgot. <laughs> it's, in, it's in my little file cabinet. Why don't you wore so, that? You should wear yeah. it, you know? Do we have uh, Like my cat wears a bell around, around the neck. We have a little exercises to do before you do anything else, Charlie. Yes, we do. Yeah. So yes, we do. Let yes, we me do. lead you by the hand, and now we'll all get up and do the... A little horror dance here. <laughs> okay, you sing and I'll talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, you could be a red hat lady if you were just a, a lady and wore a red hat. Thank you. Okay, there you go. So for the reason Frank is dancing and bouncing around and singing is because he is a good example of a boomer who wants the freedom to maintain all his favorite activities, like dancing and kickboxing and that sort of thing. Uh, but he doesn't want to hurt while he's doing it. Exactly. So reduce the aches and reduce the stiffness with something that Frank and I both use called Sierra Sill, completely natural mineral supplement taken daily, does really seem to make a difference when it comes to doing some of those activities that do and can end up hurting. So more information on the web, sierrasill.ca. You can phone them at one eight seven seven joint 14 or you can pick up Sierra Sill at many health food stores, including Postmaster IDA Pharmacy on Postmaster Drive in Oakville. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's get right to business here. Charlie, we have uh, Laura on the line from Eris. Good morning, Laura. Good morning, Frank. And you have a lovely voice for radio. I've never <laughs> seen your face, but that's what you sound like. <laughs> well, just don't have any clocks nearby. That's all i got to worry about. <laughs> morning, Laura. Good morning, Charlie. Charlie, um, I've got a problem with some of my petunias. Mm-hmm. They... Uh, they seem to have the life sucked out of them, and then they turn like to wood almost. Have you? Are you familiar with that problem? Petunias? No. Now this was obviously outside during the summer. Oh yes. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. as the season went on, they just deteriorated by getting real woody and losing flowers. Yeah, the, the odd, the odd one. Not all of them. Oh. 
even just part of a plant. Now, did you look closely? I mean, petunia, I've often had petunias get aphids. Is it possible that they end I can up, hardly hear you, Charlie. Did they end up with aphids on them by any chance? Did you look for insects? I, I, the only thing uh, I saw around them were the ants. And I had ants. I had some planted in one of the half barrels. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed I sprayed the ants. And after they were gone, the petunias came along okay but they were apparently they were sucking the life out of the petunias yeah except it wouldn't have been the ants remember ants don't eat living plants ants are scavengers they actually are very very helpful at cleaning up dead stuff and so you know we don't always give ants enough credit that they actually do clean up dead plants and dead animals uh and it they also believe it or not, are little farmers. And ants will sometimes uh, take aphids, excuse me, put aphids on plants and wait till the aphid blows up with a bunch of nectar, because that's what they do is they suck the nectar from the plant. And then the ant takes the little aphid and takes it back to the nest to feed the babies. Oh, yeah, I've seen them carrying stuff back to their nest. (laughs) Yeah, so that's probably what happened. And like I say, aphids are not that unusual on petunias. It... Usually happens when they're stressed, too much water, not enough water, or just because you've got some real nasty ants around that are placing the aphids. So main thing is a sharp blast of water when you started to see that problem could have sort of blown some of the aphids off. Even a soap and water mixture or a simple pyrethrum spray, just a simple insecticide. Uh, what kind of spray? It's called pyrethrin. um, A good example is one called Bug Be Gone. Uh, oh, made yes. by Scott. Mm-hmm. Bug Be Gone is pyrethrin-based. Follow the instructions. Never spray during a hot, hot summer day at high noon. Early is best or late in the day is the time to spray. And that would have annihilated the aphids and then the petunias would have been much better. So, But you, you figured it out by annihilating the ants. You slowed down the aphids as well. But oh. that's likely what was the cause. Okay. okay. Yeah, I didn't see the aphids, but uh, I suppose it's possible. And, like, it seems to come down from the roots almost. Yeah. Aphids are pretty tiny. They're hard to see. But if you are going to see them, they're going to be on the flowers, on the tips of the plant, the growing tips of the plant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'll – and it, do, it does – can cause certainly the plants to look very, very rough. So, well, good for you for looking after that and getting them looked okay. after then. Okay. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Thanks for calling, Laura. Laura. And you are listening to The Garden Show here at AM740 Zoomer Radio. On the line from T.O. itself uh, is Janet. Hey, Janet, good morning. Hi. um, My cedar and yew trees haven't been trimmed in about three years. Mm -hmm. And it seems I'm going to have to put my house on the market in January. And I'm wondering if I prune them now, what would be the result? Because they're really rangy. Yeah, yeah. Now is not the best time because if you prune them now, wherever the pruning cuts have taken place, that will be very visible to the eye because, of course, no growth is going to happen between now and next January. Right. So if you wanted to give the cedars a very, like just a shearing, I'm not talking about going into the, the brown 
thick stems, but mm-hmm. shearing some of the green, if they're looking really, like you say, just too bushy and out of control. They are. You could tidy them up a bit with a pair of long bladed shears. You know, you might take off a half an inch. You're not going to take off much. But okay. you could do that just to kind of clean them up a tiny bit. You could do theoretically the same thing with the U's, but you are going to see those blunt cuts when you do that on the U's. Best time to do any of that trimming on either of those plants is when they're actively growing in June. Okay, well, thank you very okay. much. <laughs> Good luck with that. Thanks a lot, then. Thanks. Bye. <clears throat> thank Bye-bye. you very much, Janet. Uh, we're coming up in just a couple of moments. We'll be speaking with a first-time caller here at AM740 on The Garden Show. But first, once again, we have to do a little bit of exercising oh, here. Look yeah, out. but I'm going to actually stand up to do it. I know this is a big strain. I but, know. Uh, oh, there we are. Oh, they're all five foot, three and a half inches. Oh, that's uh, true. Tall. So here's a testimonial. <laughs> yeah. the, reason, the reason Frank is getting up and being so silly is because he has taken his Sierra Sill and he is staying active and pain-free. Here's a testimony from Nancy in Milton, Ontario. She says, I started using Sierra Sill in August... 2013. I had tried using glucosamine, which was a powder, but was still taking pain relievers every day. Since August 26th, I have not taken any pain medication. Recently, I noticed my blood pressure reading had dropped considerably. I'm very pleased with the results I've gotten from Sierra Sil. And uh, earlier in 2013, apparently an orthopedic surgeon had told her she needed both of her knees replaced, mm. and now none of that is going forward because she's having such good success. Wow. So that's a pretty good testimonial for somebody who went from pain medication and potential surgery and is now dancing around like you, taking her Cerasil daily. Well, how does it work? We don't really know. All we know is that it's completely natural mineral supplement from the Sierra Mountains, which is where the name comes from, Sierra Sill. More information, check them on the web or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT-14, or pick up Sierra Sill at the Big Carrot on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. I like that little poem. I I never really stopped to listen to that before. And it really emphasizes your name, doesn't it? I'm Mm. not surprised. It is, after all, my show. Your show. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. Uh, (laughs) Oh, first time. Well, it's my time to shine now because Wayne is on the line and he's a first time caller. Hey, welcome to the show, Wayne. Hi, good morning, guys. Good morning. morning. Congratulations. You've got your wings. Welcome. Thank you very much. Um, I catch you uh, just about every day. Um, I'm I'm transport driver and I... Uh. As uh, John and those guys, they always try to take over your show there um, every morning when they're doing the top ten. But uh, you you always get in there and do a great job. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, what's your question, uh, Wayne? Um, I have a question. Um, uh, we have um, uh, sand cherry and Japanese maples uh, uh, around our house, and and I'm just wondering if it's too late in the season to uh, prune them back or trim them back. Well, if you pruned a sand cherry now, what you would be doing is taking off a bunch of next year's flowers. Because remember, that's an early blooming shrub, and the flowering takes place on the new growth. So all the growth that that, went onto the plant this past summer 
is what you'd be trimming because that's where all the tips are and that's where all your flowers are going to be. So if you can hold off, I would, until right after it flowers next spring. So it's it's one of the earlier um, plants to bloom. It's usually done by May. And right after it's finished blooming, that's when you can prune it back. And then the new growth that grows after you prune it is, again, the flowers for the following spring. I see. Okay, now is that that as well for the Japanese maple too? Well, the Japanese maple is a little different because, of course, it's not a question of flowering with with a Japanese maple, so we don't time our pruning on maples the way we do on the flowering shrubs. What I do, generally speaking, you never prune a maple in the spring. They tend to bleed extensively, which is where the whole maple syrup thing comes from, so we stay right away from pruning all through the early spring, even the early summer. The best time to really go at a Japanese maple, believe it or not, is July or August. You can even do trimming in September, uh, but after that, you're, you're pretty much done with your Japanese maple. So they're kind of a midsummer to late summer, early fall pruning job to, for optimal pruning time anyway. And yeah, rem- uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, uh, how, how far would, um, uh, would you um, uh, prune them back? Rule of these have grown up pretty pretty good. The ones overtaking our deck. Yeah. Well, the rule of thumb with any pruning is one third of the plant maximum can be removed in any season. So, if the for example the Japanese the um, sand cherry is six feet tall, then next spring you could be cutting you know right down two feet off of it, two and a half feet even. And they're pretty tough, but. Uh, if it's still, you know, not as small as you want it to be, then the following spring you do the same thing again. So always work with the one-third rule. That way you won't over-prune and cause the plant so much shock that it'll suddenly die. But you're, you know, maximizing taking off what you can uh, at any, during any one season. That's, uh, that's great. That's, um, um, also with our sand cherry, um, the birds, uh, winter birds, or chickadees and stuff like that, they just, um, it just strips the bark right off it. Is that normal? On the sand cherry they do? Yeah. Huh. yeah. The, the chickadees go in there and they eat the, and I think, oh, my good gracious, uh, the first time I seen it, I thought, well, we're going to lose this. Eh? It's mm-hmm. such a big, beautiful plant. And and it stripped it right down, like the bark right off it completely. Hmm. Quite and, often. And, it, but it comes back. It it, it, yeah. stay, it comes back every year and, and, and it stays healthy, but... Uh, you can see where there's no bark on it. You get all the bark off it. Well, well, keep in mind that as a sand cherry, like the young bark is very shiny and purple. And as the plant gets older and the bigger stems will tend to have quite a woody brown bark. Uh, so that's not that that purple has been stripped off. That's just very normal and natural that as the bark ages, the color changes. But, you know, when you see birds... Uh, pecking away on the, the you know naked bark of a shrub, Ra- I mean you're right. You pro- you might be seeing some actual stripping of bark, but often that's connected to uh, insect life on the plant that the birds are actually picking off. So there's likely some kind of insect eggs on that plant, and that's actually what they're going after. I see. Well, thank you very much. You've been a great help, oh. and um, and uh, I'll be uh, you're one of the most. Uh, uh, knowledgeable people I've listened to in the radio. I just listen to you all the time, and I just want to become a better gardener. Oh, good to Thank hear. You. Thanks, Thank you, Wayne. Wayne. All right. Thanks well, so much. feel free to call in any time. Absolutely, and I, I feel proud for you right now. I do, Charlie. Thank you. Yes. Uh, my head just swelled a bit, I, I think. know. I have to move to the <laughs> side now. <laughs> yes.
Step aside. <laughs> well, not not too far because we've got to welcome Brigitta to the line. And Brigitta is a first-time caller as well. Hello there. Hi. Hi. Good morning. Morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I have a container garden mm-hmm. on my little postage stamp deck. Mm-hmm. And I've planted lavender in some of the containers. And I know that lavender, I've noticed it in my neighborhood, seems to be able to stay in the ground and winterize. But mm-hmm. how would I save it in the container? Because I've never been able to do that before. So there must be a trick. Uh-huh. Where are you located? I'm near, I'm in Toronto. Okay, yep. Uh, here's here's the trick with lavender. Okay, and my next question is, how big are the containers that you've got the lavender in? They're regular, like, window boxes for okay. the most part. Yeah, so they're those six or eight inches deep and, you know, whatever, 20 inches long kind of. Like, mm-hmm. they're not huge. So that's that's your... That's what has to change if you want the plants to survive. Lavender is borderline hardy. Well, not really. It's it's a zone five plant. You live in zone six. What kills lavender above ground or any plants that are not super hardy when they're sitting above ground is the fact that in the winter, it gets cold enough that the plant freezes completely. The roots freeze. The obviously above ground growth freezes. And where the stems and the roots come together is called the crown of the plant. And the crown freezes and kills the plant. Mm. So to help it survive, you can do two things. One is if you could put that lavender into a bigger pot with more soil, you would have more insulation around the roots. So that would be number one. If you love it in the container it's in, then at least put that container in that, that window box into a corner where it's got you know, even bags of leaves around the the whole window box tucked into uh, a spot where it's out of the wind and out of the sun. Hmm. If you can come up with that kind of location. Remember, prevailing wind is northwest. So you want to put that whole window box, you know, into a situation where that northwest winter cold, cold wind will not be swirling around and kill the lavender because of that cold wind on it. And like I say, bags of leaves, bales of straw, um, burlap, anything that's going to help insulate the plant, not not like a, an electric blanket or anything. You don't want to keep it super warm, but you do want to insulate it with air. And of course, it's air that's trapped in the soil if you had a bigger container. Uh, and it'd be air that would be in the bags of leaves and uh, burlap and all those kinds of things trap air. And that's what will insulate the plant, keep it from the extreme cold or the extreme warmth that we sometimes get in the winter. So that would that be wrapping the whole plant or just the, the, the container part? Um, the, the main thing is the container part, but even the, as I mentioned, that crown where the roots and the stems come together is, is the part that you do not want that to freeze solid. So if I was trying to keep something like lavender in a window box alive, like I say, I would tuck it, tuck it out of the wind and I would... Whether it's, like I say, bags of leaves, I would have that all tucked all around the window box, the bottom and the top. So the whole thing, just make like a little mountain there. Okay. Okay. And what, bringing it indoors would be too warm, so maybe an outdoor shed might be okay if, and covering it in there? Yeah, if you had an unheated shed, yeah, you don't want to bring it indoors. So if you had an unheated shed, <clears throat> excuse me, that can work as well, definitely. Uh, as long as, again, it's not so cold that the plant freezes out in the shed, but it certainly is warmer in the shed than it would be outside. So yeah, that'd be great. Also make sure you water thoroughly before you put it away. Oh, yeah? Yep, yep. You don't want to put it away super dry. It'll, again, it'll just desiccate and dry up. 
Yeah. And so when's a good time, I guess, before the frost comes in? Well, I live in Richmond Hill, and we've had uh, good hard frost where I live now. We've had, I think, two pretty good hard frosts. So you're, I'm sure, due any time in the next week to get that tucked away. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Brigitte. Hope we've been helpful. Uh, I say, hope so. Yeah, with, it sounds with like the royal it. we. <laughs> you, it's worth a try, definitely. If you've got that unheated shed, that would be a good choice. And uh, bringing it indoors would just kill it? Wrong, bad idea. It wants to be dormant. It is a plant that needs the cycles of life, and right now it's going into dormancy. If you bring it into the heat, it's going to be all confused, and it's not going to work. It'll probably just die from, believe it or not, mildew or bugs. And should I trim it, prune it back before I do any of that, like take off any of the green... um and the flowers? The trick with lavender, I've recently learned, is you do want to trim it in the fall. You want to trim, you don't want to trim into the woody part, so that the hard stems, but yes, you want to give it a, a light shearing n- now, if not last month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, thank Thanks. you for calling. The Garden Show here at AM 740 as we broadcast live from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Yes, and we indeed. have someone to welcome to the air right now, do we not? We do. Yes. We have a special guest. We're being joined by Sandra Banks. She is the CEO of the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair. And as I mentioned, it's in its 91st year. And Sandra's joining us to give us 91 reasons to visit the fair. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are things going? You had a big opening day yesterday, I hear. We did. We launched our brand new President's Choice Animal Theater, had a fantastic uh, show with the uh, Super Dogs, and today we're all set to sail uh, with a great show uh, and lots of new features. We've got um, all kinds of agricultural and livestock shows as well as uh, our family-friendly exhibits. I hear Kathleen Wynne was there telling the school children what to see at the fair. <laughs> was that, like, really cute or what? It, well, her, she shared her favorite experience with her children, which was to go and see the piglets, uh-huh. uh, which we have mm-hmm. at this year's Royal, yep. uh, as well as chicks and lambs and goats and uh, just about every other variety of livestock. So, yes, yeah, she did tell a great story. And then she helped lead a tour through some of our new features oh, nice. and uh, interacted just beautifully with all the children, the school children that were out at the Royal. So she, uh, we, we walked through the mm-hmm. amazing food journey, which nice. is a pathway that tells kids of all ages mm-hmm. where their food comes from. It tells the story from the farm to the fork. Yeah, and so I walked through that. It's a maze. It's called the amazing food journey for a reason, because you are you start underground when you enter the maze. You're down with the carrots and the beets and the rutabagas under the ground, right? That's right. We wanted to show very symbolically, especially for kids, yeah. that where food starts, which yeah. is either in the soil above the soil or on the trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also show how animals are cared for uh, and what happens in the next part of the journey through distribution, packaging, and of course, enjoying food. That's a very important part of the journey. Yes, exactly. You've got a lot going on around food, culinary competitions like crazy. Yeah, so today at one o'clock, we're featuring something very new and exciting. Uh, We took the Royal on the road. We started in June and went, went around to local Ontario Fairs, mm-hmm. And we had chef competitions with the best of their local chefs using their best local fresh ingredients. Mm-hmm. And the four winners are on the stage today in the Royal Culinary Theatre at one o'clock. 
So these Actually, are sorry, two o'clock. Regional uh, winners. Myself. So yeah. we're very excited about that. We think that that's going to be a, a great new way to connect city and country, enjoying the best of local food. So they'll be challenged with uh, some un like they'll go in there with recipes. It's like they've obviously got a plan on everybody's yeah. got to cook the same thing, they, but then there's a secret ingredient, right? They'll receive yeah a, an essential box mm-hmm. um, of ingredients, and then uh, what what the royal will share is the secret ingredient, which is sometimes a royal champion food. Uh, so that's how we like to promote the importance of the excellence of agriculture and food products that compete at the Royal and then connecting them into the actual preparation and enjoyment of great food. Sandra, it's uh, Frank Proctor here, and, and uh, AM 740, very delighted to uh, be a, a part of uh, the Royal Winter Fair. We uh, are indeed sponsoring the horse show uh, area, and uh, some of those horses are so gorgeous to look mm. at, and I can never get over how powerful, like a Clydesdale looks, and how big they They're are. Huge, yeah. Yes. So you've got a lot of a uh, lot of things happening in the the horse rings there. Absolutely. So all day at the Royal, there's a um, in the morning there's a free horse show, so people can go in and see. Uh, jumpers and some some of the harness horses, uh, some of the big horses. Today at one o'clock we have a matinee, uh, which is a, which is great for families. And then tonight uh, we have uh, the seven o'clock horse show with you know a, a, a variety of a whole bunch of things, including uh, Green Hawk Canadian Cup, which is the Canadian Show Jumping Championships. We've got um, last night we saw the four horse hitch with the beautiful Clydesdales. They were awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight also we'll have indoor eventing, which is a combination of athleticism and speed on a horse, and that, that's quite a breathtaking experience in the, at the horse show as well. I wonder if you might do me a favor. If you could hang on the line after we're, we're done here and give your number to James, I'd like to talk to you maybe a little later on in the afternoon, say around 4.15. Would that be possible? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, great. We can talk about the the uh, Ontario Toyota Dealers Rodeo tomorrow. It's going to be oh, a great show. Great. great. Okay. okay, but that leads me into, yeah, so Frank is uh, you know stealing you from me on <laughs> this show to take you on to his show later but but i attended a media preview tour yes. at the royal on thursday and we met a guy named guy mclean he's from australia they call him a horse whisperer you mm. would have loved this frank here was he had four horses and they were like they were so attuned to him he's riding one he's yep. got three horses on either side and as he's moving on his one horse they're all moving together and it's just how they are, they're so connected. And I, I, at one point I said to him, they look like they want to sit in your lap. Like they, they, they're just so, they're yeah, like no. your pets. And he goes, oh, these are not my pets. These, this is my team. These are my brothers. We, we oh, work he's together. amazing. He's it, mesmerizing. Really amazing. Yeah. And I think he's participating in the rodeo, isn't he? Well, he'll actually be in the next three horse shows. So he's on in the matinee this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in the horse show this night, and he's really headlining a, a good portion of the uh, rodeo tomorrow at noon, yeah. starts at 12 noon. So Guy McLean has been just an amazing find, an amazing talent. And from Australia, I think, as you mentioned. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, and these horses travel with him. He travels the world with these horses, and they're really, really tight. Australian like it's, stock horses, and they are... Yeah. Gifted and special, in his words. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, I know. That was really neat to see. And I guess goats on the go is something that's kind of cute. <laughs> yes, going be, on. 
in the President's Choice Animal Theater today, as will be the 4-H rabbit jumpers. Oh, that's great. And, of course, the, everyone's favorite, the super dogs. Yeah. But the 4-H jumpers are, are the kids, right, with their rabbits trying to get the biggest jump out of their rabbits, right? That's right. They were the, <laughs> not surprised, but they were the hit of the Royal last year. The I would have to be. Them. Yes. And so they're, they're young kids who, yeah. who, who joined 4-H, yeah. and they take care of their rabbits and, and work with them and, and now compete with them. It's a very big the thing I love about the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is that everybody participates. You've got from the very young to the very old, you've got the from the very rural to the very urban, you've got the, you know, blue jeans and and poop on the boots crowd <laughs> and you've got the mink coat and tiara crowd all together all the time. It's unbelievable. It's such a wacky show. And it's, well, it's one of the few places, uh, you know, that many people in the city can meet the people that grow their food mm-hmm. um, and also just see the majesty of the animals that have been mm-hmm. part of our life and agriculture uh, in this country and in this province. So it is, it is quite a meeting place, Charlie. I think that's a great way to... It really right. is. And then there's the petting farm, too. So you can get up close and personal with a lot of those animals. And yeah, that's a family favorite for sure. The <laughs> alpacas and yeah. uh, oh, they're donkeys so cute. and yeah. uh, goats and just about everything. I know. Yeah, they're great. They're lot, all little too. Eh? They're all like child-sized animals. It's really sweet. <laughs> the um, and the vegetables. Don't forget the big, the competitive vegetables. Yeah, we had a good crop of giant vegetables. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the entries. Um, Uh, uh, generally across the board we're we're up at the Royal which is a very healthy sign for agriculture we should all be proud of that and happy about that good growing season we're seeing more entries and and, and of a great quality excellent good to see well I sure hope you're as busy today and for the rest of the week as you should be because it certainly is a lot of fun and Frank will be talking to you later I think exactly thanks Charlie hope to see you again thanks again Sandra have a good day thank you Sandra that's cool. Great. Yeah, she's really good. Well, uh, no, I, I was trying to get a hold of her yesterday, and I ran out of time. You were trying I, I to get a hold of her. It was opening day yesterday. Do you think well, she, had, she was a bit I busy? I know. You think so? I think yeah. so. Yeah, well, it could have been. So, anyway, I hope you don't mind. But. I, you know what? You should have come to the preview with me on Thursday. If I had known, I would have uh, told you about it. Well, actually, I was tied up. Oh, uh, yeah. Literally. <laughs> I should be. I, that die. I'm going to have to talk to her. I know. Uh, you know what? We too have to much take, fun. We have to take a little bit of a break here and uh, reconnect with Renee in Scarborough in just a moment, uh, who's been hanging on the line for about 20 minutes. Oh her heart. So we'll get with, honestly, Renee, we're coming at you after these words here on The Garden Show from AM 740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Frank Proctor, along with the rest of the crowd here, a 416 Three six zero zero seven forty for Toronto area listeners, and of course we <laughs> you're laughing. At what crowd? <laughs> well, uh, I figure James makes James, a crowd. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? James in the next room. <laughs> oh, I've been I've been caught. Frank's All right, along with the rest mm. of the crowd. Mm. Okay. Well, I better give the number. Mm, to it's call crowded toll in here. Free. <laughs> 
1-866-740-4740. Oh, Renee, help me out here in Scarborough. What what do you have for Charlie Dobbin? Morning, Renee. Good morning. Hello. I don't mind waiting because I know you're busy. We've got two pear trees, mm. and we've been having trouble with them. They have a sort of a rust color mm-hmm. on the leaves. Now, are these uh, edible pears or ornamental pears? No, no, edible pears. Okay. There is a a rust disease that uh, does attack pears. And um, it does, it little starts with little speckles of rusty colored dots Mm -hmm. that the little dots get bigger and bigger and closer and closer. And then the leaves sometimes will drop off early, which you don't want if you can avoid that. What I suggest you do is next spring. Have you ever used dormant spray on your pear trees? Well, my husband is a green thumb guy, and I think he's used something. I don't know. Okay. I I would definitely recommend dormant spray, and that's the mix of horticultural oil and lime sulfur mixed together when the trees are dormant in the spring before they grow. But because the rust is a fungal disease... Your husband's going to want to keep the lime sulfur handy, and he's going to use the lime sulfur during the growing season as per the instructions on the lime sulfur container. Mm -hmm. And he's going to use that to control, hopefully prevent, the fungus, the rust, from arriving on the plant and growing on the leaves. Because this is an infection that happens in the spring. It's a, you know, microscopic, invisible to our eyes, spores blow in onto the plant and grow as the season continues. Now, if we have a wet, you know, humid, gray summer, which we had a fairly wet summer this past one in the Toronto area, uh, that's when we see all the fungal diseases growing like crazy. So this would have been a particularly bad year. Okay. Okay. So um, remind him, dormant spray, and if he wants to give a call in the spring, I'm happy to talk about it then and, um, you know, remind him what he needs to do. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Renee. Bye-bye. Thank you. And uh, just a reminder, uh, that call uh, leaves a line open now, 416-360-0740 in Toronto, and then our uh, long-distance line, well, it's totally free for you, one 866 740 But Anne, right here in Toronto, has a word to say. And, ooh, about the coming season, I do believe. Uh Good day, uh, Anne. Welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Thank you very much. I have spoke with um, Charlie in the past about cactus. Uh I have um, a Christmas cactus and two zygo cactus, which were about five years old. Beautiful, beautiful cactus were in full bloom. Nice. Uh, I keep them outside in the summertime. They yeah. love the outdoors. Good idea. They're on a picnic table under an umbrella, and they love the cool nights, and they bloom all summer. I just brought them in now, mm-hmm. but I noticed that um, the roots are beginning to come through the bottom of the pots. Mm-hmm. Do I transplant now or now would, leave them? I would leave them because now would not be optimal. Okay. You will end up losing flowers if you do any kind of transplanting now. Okay. But that's a, you know, it's a good eye. Always check the bottom of the pots where the drainage holes are uh-huh. and, you know, plants, some take, particularly cactus, which don't have huge root systems, they can take a number of years for those roots to, to fill the pot and start growing out the holes. If you can wait until next spring when you're taking them outside... Okay. That's when I would transplant them into a bigger pot. Now, remember, whatever size they're in now, you only go up one size at a time. Okay, well, the, the um, one cactus and one zygo are in um, six-inch pot. Mm-hmm. 
a four-inch pot, sorry, and yeah. the ones I got is in a six-inch pot, right. which is huge. Yeah, but the plant is. so yeah. beautiful. They're great. So your four-inch goes to six-inch, and your six-inch goes to eight-inch. Okay. Uh, there's no shortcuts here. If you were to take those little those plants and pop them up into something that's substantially bigger than what they're in now, it just they'll come to a complete halt. They'll stop growing. They'll go into complete shock, and you'll say, what's wrong with my plants? Uh-huh. Because you never want to you know, dramatically jump them up to, to a pot that's a lot bigger. It's always one size at a time. Okay, because when I bring them in, uh, they, they're dormant all winter, and mm-hmm. I have n- really not enough light for them mm-hmm, here, so mm-hmm. I always think they've died off. Oh, yeah. But then in the summertime, I put them out, and they just love, they get sodden with rain lots of times, and, yeah. and the sun, but they just love it. And clay pots are often the preferred, you know, the clay or the terracotta pots. Oh. They're, I mean, if you want, they're heavy, so maybe you don't want to use those if you're moving them around a lot, uh-huh. but they are often the optimal plant for any of the cactuses because, or cacti, because of the uh, good drainage. We love that, you know, right. fact that they don't ever get soggy the way they do sometimes in a plastic pot. Right, they are in plastic pots right now. But, but it's, and plastic is fine, just make sure you've got a really well-drained soil. You know, you don't want a soil that's going to be holding a lot of moisture, just because, yeah. again, you could rot yeah. the roots when you, when you least expect it. Okay, and um, what kind of soil do I use, just the regular potting soil? Well, they, there are cactus soils out there, but so you could buy that. Or just get a regular potting soil. Make sure it's not a potting soil with any water retention crystals or anything in it like mm-hmm. that. Just regular potting soil. And then adding a little sand is not a bad idea, just to facilitate the okay. best drainage possible. Okay. Okay. Great. Thank you very much, Charlie. You're very welcome. Thanks for your call. Thanks for joining the show, uh, Janet. And we'll be along with that more That was Anne. Pardon me? That was Anne. Anne. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking ahead see. and seeing Janet is on the line talking or wanting to talk to you about bringing flowers in. Mm. So we'll get to that momentarily here on the Charlie Dobbin (laughs) Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Yes, Charlie and slash Frank Proctor, uh, welcoming you to a <laughs> in wonderful lower case. In lowercase. <laughs> <laughs> Janet, good morning. Ten Welcome point to the show. Point. <laughs> oh, hello. Hi. Morning. Uh, hi. I have um, really great fuchsia plants in my big containers outdoors. Mm. If, I br- if I bring them in, if I transplant them into smaller containers inside, would I get winter enjoyment from them, or would there just not be enough light? I know. At this time of year, when things are flowering, and it took them all summer to get big and fat and juicy, and they're so perfect, the last thing you want to do is give up and lose them now. I would say, you know, it's worth a try. You will have to, you know, carefully dig them up out of the container they're in, pot them into another pot, water thoroughly once, do give a, a real close inspection to the plants to make sure there's no spiders or anything on the plants, even pulling out the hose and washing off the above ground growth to just, you know, try and limit any bugs coming in. And um, will they keep flowering is a good question. They could. What kind, could you place them in, I wouldn't go right into south, well, yeah, I mean, they need a bright spot in your house. They don't need to be in direct sunlight, but they do need to be in a very bright spot in order to continue to thrive. Okay, well, thanks. I guess it's worth trying. 
Yeah, and just also avoid drafts. You don't want any hot air furnace blowing on them or anything like that. So a pebble tray below full of water will help keep humidity high around the plants. And they're, again, they're more likely to thrive. Great. Okay, thanks a lot then. Good luck with that, Janet. And thank you for calling. Uh, Here's a chap who was on the show last week, Mm. all the way from White River, which is way up north. Rick, welcome along. (laughs) Morning, Rick. Charlie. Yes. You want me to ring Frank's bell for you? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) Well, that last lady about the fuchsias, I brought one in. I don't know if it's going to make it over for the winter or not, too. But I have some snapdragons I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. It it may sound crazy. Could they be brought in and wintered over or what? Have you got snapdragons outside right now blooming? You know what? They're the strongest plant growing. They're not blooming, but they're not dead yet. We've had some snow, frost. Yeah, they are. They're really tough. Yeah. What I do with my snapdragons is I leave them alone. They will, they, the flowers that were on earlier in the season would have gone to seed, mm. and seeds have been dropped around your garden. And what's likely to happen is they will regrow again next spring, assuming you get a good snow layer on top of those seeds, and the seeds will survive. Well, that's what must have happened because I didn't buy any in the spring. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so mild winter or good snow cover helps the seeds to survive. And snapdragons are amazing. I know. The hostas at my house are all completely flattened. And meanwhile, you're right. The snapdragons are perking along. Well, I was just curious because I thought, well, they're already be started the spring and, you know, you'd have a bigger plant perhaps than come next year. I yeah, know. I don't know. I, if you wanted to try starting snapdragons ahead of the spring, I would buy some seeds and start them indoors. Figure it. Yeah, rather than trying to bring them All in. Right. You'll find they'd have just too big of a root, and they're quite woody at this time of year. It's a, it's not a, a young little tender plant. It's it's like a little shrubby thing, so I, it's very hard to transplant at this point. Yeah, I got. I don't have much room in the house anyway. There so you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank okay. you. Thanks for your call. Thank, thanks for joining in again, Rick. Always pleasure hey. okay take care and uh, oh we maybe have time for one more call do you think charlie i think we yeah. might all right we might barb in brantford is on the line good morning barb good morning morning i really appreciate your show thank you guys thank you i appreciate your humor and your knowledge well thank you well, i'll take care of the i was gonna say frank's <laughs> humor my knowledge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm calling about overwintering dahlias. I know you've answered this before. I'm just confused. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Some say that uh, just put them in a box and put them in a cold, dark spot, mm-hmm. and you're good to go. Others say peat moss and keep it dampened. I'm afraid of that because I usually overdampen. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's your thoughts on that? When I've been successful with dahlias, I have kept them damp. You what? I when I have been successful with dahlias over the winter, uh-huh. I have kept them damp. Okay. So damp peat moss, like sterile peat moss, uh, spritzed, not wet, not soggy, not even like a wrung-out sponge, just a little bit of moisture, and then the tubers immersed into that slightly dampened peat moss, dark cool. Check every four to six weeks. Make sure they're not too dry. They're wrinkling up, not too wet. They're getting soft and mushy. And you'll, you just need to get them through till February and then you can plant them up inside. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll give that a, a shot then. All right. And thank you so much, guys. Thank okay, you. Okay. Thank let you us, for joining the show. Let us know Have how that goes. Day, yeah. Alrighty. Uh, yeah. The Garden Show is uh, we broadcast from the Zoomerplex. I know, I love Liberty that. Village. The yeah. Zoomerplex. Well, it's such an interesting part of Toronto, too, isn't it? It sure is. Mm-hmm. Dense. 
Yep. <laughs> you looked at me when you said that. Now, wait a minute. Oh, you were it's describing true. the... I thought you were describing me. Well... No, not at all. Yeah. Uh, hey, just remember, remember... Yes. Tomorrow is our favorite day of the year. Of course. One extra hour. Oh, oh. Do we love that? A 25-hour day. So the clocks, of course, fall back. Right. Just don't set any alarms tomorrow. Just wake up and whatever your clock says, well, unless you've got some fancy clock that resets itself, <laughs> just know that it's not as late as you think it is when, yeah. when you roll out of bed at 11 o'clock. It's only going to be 10. Well, there you go. Yeah. Hey, wonderful stuff. And I see yeah. the voice... From Dave's Corner Garage have arrived Ellen yes, Gelman and uh, Dave Redinger. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of fun in their show, too. Not as much fun as us, though. Well, who could? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, you, what do you got planned for this week? Anything uh, special? Well, you know what? I have a lot of leaves that I still have to pick up out of my garden, out of my back garden. I did a really good job on the front. Yep. But remember, don't remember all that wind yesterday has done a good job, dropped a lot of the leaves for us. So now our job is to make sure those leaves are not sitting on our lawns. Yeah. Leaves on lawns suffocate lawns. Next spring, you will totally regret it if leaves have sat all winter. However, leaves on gardens are very good. So if nothing else, you got to get the leaves raked off the lawns, get them onto the garden. What I do is I use my lawnmower. Just mulch them up. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. The lawnmower just sucks the leaves up, chops them all up into little pieces. I have the bag on the lawnmower, and then I take all those chunks of leaves and I dump the bag onto the gardens. So I get, you know, two, three inches of chopped up leaves on all my gardens. Lawn is nicely trimmed and clean of leaves, and that's on my agenda (laughs) once the rain stops and it's not too cold. Now, does Elliot ever take part in any of this wondrous activity around your house? Very rarely. (laughs) <laughs> she should says, have seen the eyes roll there. Chagrin, wow. Chagrin, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's good if it's a big, you know, honey, I need a whole dog 16 feet wide and 46 <laughs> feet deep. Okay, he'll do that. But no, uh, otherwise, yeah, he does. Gardening is not his thing, Not really. at all. Isn't that funny? Yeah, huh? well, that's okay. We'd probably fight if he was out there trying to help me. I'd be arguing with him and telling him not to do it that way, <laughs> do it my way. <clears throat> See what I deal with in here? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> It's, yes. it's all fun. Well, there you go. Yeah. And it's been fun this morning. All sorts of uh, really neat calls and a lot, of course, having to do with bringing stuff in for the winter. Winter's coming. We'll be continuing that, and uh, I'll be continuing on a little later on in yes. the day. You're back. Back for... at 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. right, for the diner where mm-hmm. we take your requests. Yes. And as well, uh, oh, do you know who I just saw in the next room there? <gasps> Mike Filey. Yeah, oh, Mike Filey. Really? Son of a gun. Good to see you. He's going to be uh, guesting in the boy show there. Oh, isn't yeah, that fun? Yeah, that's cool. Maybe you can steal him from their show for your show later. Just well, like, I, yeah, I've, just I've like have you a habit of Sandra. doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Mm, there's a plan. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Frank. Thank you, Charlie. <laughs> As usual, you've been wonderful to work with. Thank you, James Patrick Dooley. He's the best. And thanks to all the great callers. Without them, we wouldn't even have a show. So how fun is this? See you all next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.